0: This is Hitting the Mark, conversations with founders about the intersection of brand clarity and startup success with your host, brand strategist and author, Fabian Dyerhalter.
1: Obviously, the brand story is so important. It's more important than ever. Uh, People are looking to brands to be so much more than a product they buy. You know, they want to know who created it and what they do and what's their their personal philosophy and, you know, why, what, how did this get here? You know, transparency with with sourcing. I mean, they, they really, everyone is, I think, really excited about what's behind the brand. What do they stand for? Is their brand a platform for something, you know, positive or progressive? Um, and uh, what is the brand doing to really take action around that? So there's there's a lot that goes into it. And I think people are really like voting with their dollar more than ever today, especially coming out of 2020.
0: This was Natasha Case who founded Cool House with her then-girlfriend, now-wife, in 2009, which today is the top women-led ice cream company in the nation and can be found in 6,000 grocery stores in the US. Cool House remains true to the authentic origins of the brand, represent positive change, push the envelope for the future, and create high-quality ice cream and plant-based novelties for all to enjoy. They hope House inspires the next generation of diverse founders, entrepreneurs, and creators to live out their dreams. And on today's show, you will see just how they do that. But before we dive in, I'd like to thank the latest supporters of the show – Ashish Pandya and Bryce for both joining the Golden Brand Circle, Holly Greif for becoming a part of the Creative Circle, and Kesia Israel for jumping on board the Startup Circle. It is because of individuals like them that I can keep the show advertising free while giving back to them on monthly advisory calls. Join them by heading over to patreon.com slash hitting the mark. And now, without further ado, over to my inspiring conversation with Natasha. Welcome to the show, natasha
1: thanks so much for having me
0: oh i'm I'm thrilled to have you um, living in los Angeles, I of course have been to your shop a long time ago. I really don't know how long it's been, but but it must have been maybe ten years or so um so it must have been at the very beginning and Little did I know how much you would grow this fun, small ice cream sandwich place in Culver City into the brand that it is today. Um, you were studying to become an architect um, when your architectural model was criticized in class by a professor who felt it was looking more like a layer cake. <laughs> so let's start there. How was that moment integral to, to the formation of House?
1: Well, I think in, a, in a, a lot of interesting ways. One is um, kind of, I think, generally that entrepreneurial shift that happens when something can be presented as a negative or an obstacle. Like, you know, his comment on the layer cake was not supposed to be a good thing. Um, but he <laughs> sort of put that, you know, twist that onto its, its heels and say, wait a second, layer cakes are delicious. Maybe there's something I can do with this. Maybe I can have fun with this idea. Maybe this is like a portal into a different way of thinking about architecture and design or, you know, how I might want to go about creating. Um, So I think that was one really important moment. And I just think in general that it was about food, which for me was always a passion, cooking, entertaining, um, kind of all that food can mean and, and what it makes us feel on an emotional sense, I think is so interesting and fascinating. And so I kind of had this realization. That I could merge two of my passions, which was architecture, but also you know food and and, and creating with food um, together, and and I think when you can bring multiple passions um, into into what you do on a daily basis, not only is it going to be more fun for you and very rewarding, but I think it, it just makes it even that much more unique because that's a very you know unique trajectory um, to you. So um, I think that was uh, you know the big realization, and then kind of once I Said, okay, well, I'm gonna, you know, kind of play a prank on this guy and and bake this next version of the model as a cake. My my theory was correct that I just that was my only all nighter in all of architecture school because I just couldn't stop. I was having so much fun, and my philosophy is there's there's kind of an irony to it. But when you're having the most fun, is when you work the hardest. Yeah. Um, and then when I presented this uh, to my colleagues the next day, I could also see the way that that it, you know, the Lit them up also and, and when there's food in in any kind of discussion just it tends to bring people together it tends to um kind of comfort and be memorable so i thought this is it i want to i want to pursue this intersection which later became Cool house i mean that took some years to happen but that, yeah. i think it was the early the, the seed was planted in the earliest sense
0: and then, and then, in between that, um, you started actually as an architect at Walt Disney, right? So you, you you actually went after your into your career path the way that you you thought you would. And then at some point, you just kept playing with with food. Is that what happened? <laughs> you, you started playing with yeah. ice cream.
1: Yeah, something like that. I mean, I, I just kept incorporating <laughs> food into all my architecture projects. I went to after after Berkeley, um, which is where the layer cake incident happened. I went to UCLA <laughs> uh, for grad school. And I always try to bring food into my projects. I don't know that my professors were going for it, but it just shows you also that academia is not always where these ideas are celebrated. Sometimes, you know, it's the things that uh, didn't sit in an academic sense that get out into um, more like, quote unquote, the real world or, or the economy and can really do something interesting. Um, but I also just as a kind of side, kind of passion, you know, uh, uh, um, on my own time, doing these like high concept dinner parties, creating projects that merged um, or products that that merged food and design. Uh, for example, um, I, uh, I one of the parties was like this like pizza party, and then I like canned the tomato sauce left over from that party. And then uh, like in the kind of packaging of the tomato sauce can was the details and the information for the next dinner party. So this idea that you like <laughs> preserving, you know, a spirit of one party to the next or whatever, you know, just yeah. all these you know, kind of, I was just really kind of thinking, um, you know, pretty, pretty, pretty out there about it. And then, um, uh, you know, one of the kind of, one of the, uh, uh, you know, kind of manifestations of the food and design, um, uh, you know, interest was making ice cream sandwiches from scratch in unique flavors, naming the combinations after architects. And, you know, this all, this, that kind of version of, Food and Architecture, which I was calling Farkitecture at the time, (laughs) um, I started doing uh, when the recession hit um, and when when I was working at Disney Imagineering, which was my first job after grad school. So part of the idea with these ice cream sandwiches was to really lighten the mood at the office by giving folks that were stressed out or had had bad news, you know, um, uh, had heard bad news that day you know, this, this comfort with the ice cream and also the punny names were meant to sort of, you know, bring some, yeah, some levity to the, to the whole, you know, moment that, that the world was really going through. So um, that, that was then, you know, that iteration of, of all of that thinking obviously ended up being a a much bigger, uh, a a much bigger potential uh, than I think I ever could have imagined at the time.
0: Well, and I'm sure I'm sure the the former colleagues who received your uh, Frank Berry or me's vanilla Roe or mintimalism <laughs> sandwiches and flavors. I'm, I'm well sh- said. <laughs> thank you, thank you. I'm, I'm sure they I'm 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 sure they, they must look at Cool House now when they go when they go to a Whole Foods and they must just, you know, crack up of like, Oh my god, this happened in the conference room basically and here it is now.
1: Totally. Uh, you're not wrong.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing that's really really cool but then but then at some point you decided okay let's do a little ice cream truck and i love 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 that story so you and your girlfriend who's now your wife um bought what you describe on your website um and i'm gonna quote the website copy here a piece of shit postal van masquerading as an ice cream truck <laughs> you bought it on craigslist for two and a half grand and you towed it well actually you had triple a to towed a truck from la to coachella to the music festival um and uh and that was also um or at least um you know that that's that's what i hear out there that was also your second date with your girlfriend uh going out to coachella with that truck and that date obviously included a hundred thousand or so other people and it was basically <laughs> your cool house beta test right so a lot was going on that day
1: totally there's a lot yes and uh <laughs> I know we're kind of chatting offline, but I guess that's sort of the theme with me. There's there's always a lot going on, you know.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, totally. That that's hilarious. And that was so so. That beta test obviously worked. People people loved loved the, the sandwiches. They loved the idea. At this point, it wasn't really branded yet, though, right? It was more of like sandwiches in a, in a in a crazy fun ice cream truck that were really cool.
1: Yeah, I mean, we had we had the most bare bones, I would say, as far as the branding. Because what was good is kind of leading up to Coachella, um, such a big event, as you mentioned, 100,000 people in the desert kind of forces you to have to get your act together, at least to some degree. So <laughs> we incorporated on LegalZoom, you know, if we did the $99, like get the operating agreement, form the LLC. You know, we had to go get like a seller's permit. We had to get a basic health permit. Um, and then we had a, a website, which was like, I feel like, you know, a couple of uh, like, PDF pages that I put online that just basically said the name of the company, you know, the sandwich menu and like why we were doing this. Um, and then we had reserved, um, I think our Twitter page, you know, uh, like twitter.com forward slash coolhouse. Like, okay, we have it. Like we kind of like marked our territory, you know, in case this blows up, at least we have like, again, the most uh, like essential fundamentals, um, you know, uh, kind of uh, groundwork done. Yeah, yeah. So, so um, you know, I think that was a really obviously fortunate thing because um, then when we, we do this festival and you know it, it went well enough, I would say, like considering um, we spent so little getting there, you know, towing the truck, um, <laughs> which didn't even drive, but the, the AAA platinum membership, like you mentioned, and and uh, like getting our act together with ice cream and cookies. Which, by the way, also a an important note on that is we realized that we could not make in our own kitchen enough ice cream and cookies to feed the festival goers the way we wanted to. So we found, you know, uh, co-packing, which is, you know, taking your IP your recipe and having a manufacturing partner who's more of an expert and who can do more scale at, at, at making your, your, your product. And uh, that was a really good thing to at least explore before the festival because it meant that, you know, again, if this, if this blows up, which it did, there's a plan in place to be able to meet the demand with also manufacturing. So um, there's kind of all those elements that we were kind of, you know, had arranged not knowing if this was going to be a, a one and done or if it was going to get bigger. But anyway, you know, the festival went went good enough. And, and I think we were in the black after only because we spent so little doing it. Um, but then... Uh, a friend of mine at the time, uh, he wrote for um, Curbs, the real estate blog, and he had yep. said, you know, if, "If you if you feel like there's something here, like just send me your logo." So again, had the logo, thank goodness. <laughs> um, send me, you know, the basic details, and I'll, I want to do a little write up on it. So I did, and it's funny because his write up was like super unflattering. It was like, you know, uh, if you're really bored and. <laughs> want like some weird ice cream, maybe check out Cool house. They have this like, you know, shitty truck. It was like, thanks, thanks for that, Dan. Really <laughs> appreciate uh, the press coverage. Um, it didn't matter. There was such an appetite for what we had, what what the vision was and what we had created and what we were building that it totally went viral from there and by the time we got back to LA, um, we had 10,000 Twitter followers. I had a ton of media inquiries and we had clients who were wanting to book the truck, so. Um, it's sort of a case, and you know, for yourself as as really a branding expert, like it was sort of that minimum viable product. Like, let's just like having something is better than it being this like quote unquote perfect, you know, brand, which as as we all know is never going to happen anyway. Yeah. But we needed something out there that that at least people could recognize, and then and 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 to basically we justified that we should continue building that by just like have, having the courage to just launch and get it out there rather than you know stewing for years and years trying to like make this perfect logo when you don't really have anything to show for it anyway
0: well, and well, a, cu- a couple of thoughts on this. I mean, I mean, first off, I also think it's important that you actually went with a very, very specific audience, right? I mean, for you, yes. it was about the architecture, yes. right? And that's weird—architecture and ice cream. Never heard of that, right? Put that together, and then you get a story, even though not a flattering one. In Curbed, right, which is all yeah. about architecture, right? So, so in Curbed, no one talks about food. So it's it kind of like all—it's like if if you have that focus on an on, on a certain audience, that that definitely helps too, and. Your logo type did it change much? Because, I mean, it's it's still whimsical. It's still a bit weird. I, I don't think it changed that much over the years, right?
1: Yeah, it's funny. I definitely think the core spirit is still there. And I think, you know, um, being where I'm at now in the business, almost 13 years in, I, I find myself looking to the earliest period of Cool House the most uh, as that sort of, you know, ethos and essence of the brand and kind of like how to really kind of you know, preserve that in a, in a bottle and really and really celebrate it and and lean into that as much as possible. Of course, now with the expertise and perspective and vision and strategy that we have now, that would have you know that that we didn't have in the beginning uh, per se. Um, so it, it's like I I think like the assumption would be like oh the early days you don't know what you're doing you kind of move away from that and then you like you know become this expert and you figure it out or it's all more professional and I find it's almost kind of the opposite. It's like the more that I can you know, keep, keep alive and, and even, I think, uh, showcase even more than we knew how to in the beginning today, um, the better off we'll be because that's such an authentic, you know, piece of, of the identity and, and who we are building this company.
0: I think I think that's so interesting and and we, we we talked about this offline offline as well um you know i I think it's so it's so difficult when you know agencies come in and they suddenly like make something perfect right because perfect sometimes isn't perfect for a brand right because a brand needs to be whimsical it needs to be different it needs to be weird it needs to have a character that no one else has and um you know I've got this example where i'm I'm on the on the, on an advisory board with uh with with a company in uh, in New York right now and of course after you know, three months of advising them, they're like, "We gotta hire you. <laughs> we, gotta, we gotta, we gotta hire your team to actually make the brand perfect now." And and I'm like. No, <laughs> like no, don't like. It's so yeah. weird right now because they, they you know, they, yeah. they they are artistic, right? So so they have these right. weird things, and everything is just a couple degrees off. And and if you perfect that, then it's not interesting anymore. Like mm-hmm. there, there, there's something about this being off, and that's when when I mentioned your logo, where I'm not in any way talking down on the logo, right? But but yeah. it is it is very it's it's very whimsical. It's very kind of like you know it's 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 different. It's weird. Like an agency wouldn't like perfect it like that. Like it feels yeah. like there's something there. And and that that was always cool house to me like even the store when you walk in like everything felt a little bit handmade and because of that it felt personable and once something is personable obviously you know like you start a relationship with it right like you can right. actually you you feel you feel closer to it so I think that's 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 really it and, and in the end the, you know they actually did hire us and, and what we did is we basically just um we 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 cleaned everything up so that it's presentable and so that it stays weird <laughs> you know so it, so, so I, I think it is important I mean, to any brand, it's important to have some sort of guide, you know, guide rails, um, guide guards, you know, to to make sure that this is where the brand should stay within. But what's within there could be weird, really weird, and it could be different, oh, and my. it could be like make- I love
1: my new word even is strange. I'm like taking weird even far taking the weird thing even farther. Let's, let's, let's be strange. Yeah, like that's celebrate
0: that. It's so true. Yeah. And with them, I said it's tension. Like everything that yeah. they should do visually, there should be tension. And and it's good tension because they're very much into like, you know, they're they're in the fashion type of industry, right? Like a little deeper. But that's kind of so, anyways, not to get sidetracked, but you know, talking about your logo now that we're deep in the, the superficial part of the branding, right? <laughs> the logo and the and all of that. But um your packaging though, on the flip side. It has evolved and and yeah. given your architectural background this must have been in the beginning this must have been so important yet so intuitive for you to envision the packaging and 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 a few years back I I heard you mention um uh, when I was doing my research that you you changed your packaging you change your packaging pretty much every year now right I mean it's just a constant evolving which is very often the case with a Cpg company but it seems like you're taking this pretty pretty seriously can you can you share a bit about that always evolving task of, of keeping the packaging up to date.
1: Yeah, I think, um, so it's funny you mentioned, cause I, I was going to say it kind of coming out of what we were just discussing. We actually have just gone through, um, a major brand upgrade, uh, where I think it was like taking everything about what's cool and weird and strange and the tension, like you said, or what's like, a little off in a good way and celebrating that as much as possible, but also, you know, fixing some of the things that, you know, could be stronger, like on the legibility, you know, in the freezer aisle, because it's so, I mean, as as difficult as it is to stand in a grocery store, thinking of also being in a freezer aisle. Oh my God. Yeah you know, it's like, you really have to have something meaningful. And um, so of course you want to think about that kind of very practical side as well. But um, yeah, going back, like I, I always did kind of all the packaging and branding and and really um, kind of created that myself. And I I always loved that element because that felt like an authentic extension of my architecture background, but like using that to tell a story with a brand or for those kind of like marketing materials to, to communicate a message. Um, doing the, the truck branding, um, you know, sometimes literally like working on the architectural plans of the truck to submit the, to the health department, which is probably the, some, some of the closer work to like that traditional architecture background, yeah. working on the shop. I mean, all of it, it really kind of, you know, came, came from me. And um, I think that always felt like a, a great sort of alternative application of a really um, versatile skill set. And I have to say, too, Kind of coming out of um, my first job at Disney Imagineering, I mean, I think they're, that's very much the philosophy. You know, a lot of the folks there in Imagineering are architects, but you're more kind of creating characters, telling stories, building a brand, creating experiences. So I think that definitely influenced and inspired me in how I thought about Cool House. I mean, they're the master storytellers, and they create stories that people worship and retell for their whole lives. So, you know, how could you not be? Um, but anyway, so that went on for a long time and, you know, now we're, we're at the brand has become, you know, more mature. And I think it was time to really, um, have a, have a conversation and, and let some uh, other folks in and to kind of bring their perspective and expertise. And I'm, um, I'm really happy with, um, you know, what we created. We worked with this company, Bex Brands, who really helped kind of ask all the, the tough questions and the challenging questions about, what really makes this so special? And then Mike Perry um, is an amazing um, artist, illustrator, and he really created all these kind of characters and flavor cues and illustrations of food and graphics um, that really tell the story of each flavor, not only from you know what's in it and what makes it delicious, but like you know, the backstory of like why, why we created it and when it was created. And there's just so many Easter eggs, like all over the packaging, if you're like a hardcore, you know, cool house cult follower So, um, it's really, um, yeah, it's, it's it was an incredibly fun project. And I, I do feel that we stay true to the brand. It feels even weirder than it was. Yeah. And, um, but I think we also, it is easier to read. It is clear in terms of the brand block block. So it's a great evolution of all those years of, you know, what we were building.
0: I I love what you just said. I mean that that whole idea of hiring the right people to actually to actually you know per- perfect it as far as you know legibility goes and you know performance goes of a CPG brand in in, in the freezer and on the other hand create this, this 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 deeper story and these Easter eggs and things to engage your audience with that is that is you know much much deeper than it was before. But it all goes back to your to your founding story and and the foundational elements of the brand and that is not easy to pull off. Um so so kudos because it's not easy and you know it because you've just been through this, right? Where it's this yes. constant this constant struggle between staying true to who we were, looking to who we want to become in the future and then making sure that we're we're checking off all those 400 marks uh, in the freezer <laughs> section and everything else legibility wise. So, um very cool and 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 another thing that that kind of, you know, happened over over time I feel is that you you moved a little bit away from from the architectural part, right? I mean, the the flavors I don't believe are called, you know, are named after after architects anymore. And you're and you're uh, correct me if I'm wrong, though, right? But but I, I don't think they are, right? Like that's a little yeah. Bit- we,
1: don't, we don't definitely don't lead with that. I think we build it into kind of the the story or the branding around a flavor, kind of the backstory. But yeah, it's definitely not like. The flavor name, like it was in the early days,
0: but you are moving more into into the authenticity of this being women owned. You know, um, you know, you you talk about the LGBTQ. You um, you make that more of part of your messaging. And and how did you decide to? to make it more personal. I mean, the architecture part was personal, right? It was your, it was your own, own journey. But, but you know, like, when, when did you decide to say, like, look, this is actually, it's actually important for us as a company to start talking about um, that this is women, you know, w- women out?
1: I think what it was is, you know, what I tell people too is, um, I think, obviously, the brand story is so important. It's more important than ever. Uh, people are looking to brands to... Be so much more than a product they buy. You know, they want to know who created it, and what they do, and what's their their personal philosophy, and you know, why, what, how did this get here? You know, transparency with with sourcing. I mean, they they really everyone is I think really excited about what's behind the brand. What do they stand for? Is their brand a platform for something you know positive or progressive? Um, and uh, what is the brand doing to really take action around that? So there's there's a lot that goes into it. And I think people are really like voting with their dollar more than ever today, especially coming out of 2020. But at the same time, what I think is you don't necessarily have one brand story for your whole, you know, existence of the brand. And what I mean by that is I think about the early days um, of cool house. And I think what was really important to share with our audience was kind of that reinvention and that redirecting of your career path and, and your life. And and taking that kind of, you know, unexpected, again, potentially kind of dark or moment or an obstacle and really then using that as an opportunity to do something that you always maybe dreamed of. But if if things had not been shaken up, maybe you wouldn't have pursued. Um, And you know that's you know coming from architecture and getting into ice cream and then for Freya as well You know from real estate development to ice cream And that was such an important story to share because that's what people were really feeling that's what resonated with them at the time Um, And I think and I think you want to share the story that's going to be the most impactful, you know Um, and then I think kind of thinking about five six years into the company Um, there started to be some distance from that moment, you know, where kind of, I think the dust had settled a little coming out of the great recession Mm -hmm. and a, a kind of pattern that I was seeing on, um, social media, for example, is people really excited about us being women founders and mentioning that and sharing that with their friends and their audience. Um, and so I thought, you know, why are we not celebrating this more? If this is something people are kind of hungry for and curious about. Let's make it easier for folks to know that that's who we are and that that's a really important point of differentiation uh, for, for our business as it continues to be. We're the biggest women founded and led and also you know, queer founded and led ice cream brand um, in the country. And while that's very exciting, part of that is because you know, there are so many less uh, you know, women led brands. Um, you know, out there, and it's still so uh, vastly, um, you know, unequal in terms of who's who's leading the, the ice cream brands and, and many other food categories as well that we all love and that we purchase all the time. So, I think it was sort of listening and hearing what folks wanted to know more about, and then let's let's really dig into that, and that's kind of continued to be a theme. Um, you know in, in the back you know fa- ha- a half of those five six years as a brand and I think what we've done is just take it farther one talking more about um, again being part of the gay community which is not something we spoke about as much early on and, and it's that's really about visibility and and showing that you know uh, you, you can kind of have have that identity and, and nothing can stop you from doing what you want to do um, but also again using the brand as a platform to invest in those, you know, diverse founders. And so doing very specific things, for example, um, we uh, partnered with black girl ventures. They're an amazing um, incubator for black and brown female founders. They do these live pitch competitions. They have mentorship, they have webinars, they have an amazing alumni network. We created a flavor with them called currency cake, which is a carrot cake flavor. And the proceeds of profits go to funding um, one of their grants and it's like literally taking something joyful and delicious like ice cream and the flavor is fantastic and it's doing so much good. It's literally putting money in the pockets of these founders that are completely, you know, just not resourced and served in the same ways as, as, you know, other founders from other backgrounds. So we've just kind of taken that whole thing even farther and done more with it. Um, and I'm, I'm really, really like proud of that work. And there's, there's still so much more to do.
0: It's such a cool collaboration and it's funny. It's actually like my next question I would have asked you about Currency Cake because, because I I, saw, I actually the, the funny thing is I saw Currency Cake when Legal Zoom was re, was was reposting it and I had Ed of Legal Zoom on. So it was kind of like, oh my god, all worlds come together. Um, and, and talking about worlds coming together. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and talking about worlds coming together. I also had Chenny of Chenny's Splendid Ice Creams on the show on on episode twenty eight, um, another another woman founder, right of, of, yes. of ice cream. So so it's kind of oh. like it, it's it's uh, I don't know how I handpicked these people, but 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 you, you're in good company. Um, <laughs> but, but when I when I had her when I had her in the show, I mean you know we, we talked a lot about politics and ice cream and so how that somehow seems to be a match. Um, and it it I mean it is the same with you, right? I mean I mean you know Cool House is very much speaking up about BLM and pride and AAPI hate and you know it's it's a brand that to they um takes a stance and i wonder you know like like what did for you over the last couple of years um as it seems like that that kind of like became more and more important to your brand as as you started you know putting a focus on your founding story and and all of that what did speaking out as a brand teach you that that other brand owners can learn from who may still be on the fence to make that move
1: yeah i think um i think that it's it's Not, first of all, it depends on your brand a lot, you know, has, does your brand have a history of, you know, standing for something or representing something different and unique and, um, you know, uh, so does this seem like a natural extension and does this seem authentic to the core of the brand to take a stance or do something or get involved so I think that's the first question you have to ask yourself. Cause I don't think yep. every single brand can or should do something around every single issue. It just doesn't make sense. Correct. Um, and then I think, does it feel authentic? Does this particular moment and issue feel authentic? And like, why are you really doing it? Like, is this something you truly care about that you believe is, you know, um, going to ignite your passion for what you're doing because, Ultimately, like you can, you know, take that platform and, and do something really good and do something meaningful or are you is there a moment that's happening and you feel like if you don't, you know, do something in the moment, then you'll be judged. If you do something in the moment, you'll be judged. Like, that's not really, you know, the right reasons. I think you have to ask yourself, like, is this work I'm going to be proud of? And then I think any good work around taking a quote unquote stance is a is a long term proposition, you know, mm-hmm. if you're just going to get in and post something or, sometimes even like donate, which I still think that's good too. Like, but I, I think uh, sometimes that's like a, a moment will, we'll, it can feel especially in today's world where things kind of come and go so quickly that also your, your message around that can come and go really quickly. So I just believe that you know it's like a, a, a long and slow game. It, and I mean, I wish it we're all faster, but the reality of these things is change doesn't happen overnight. And you have to be willing to really stick it out for a long time. And you know, here we are—you know, uh, a year um, uh, past. You know, a kind of what really—you um, know, the the horribly tragic events that I think led to so much of the, the BLM movement over the summer and the protests. Um, uh, you know, with w- with George Floyd and and um, you know that that hor- you know, just horribly tragic event, and I think everything around that. And we're still, you know, we've, we've launched this flavor with Black World Ventures and it's, it's amazing and it's bringing good, but there's actually so much more to do with it. And we have a, a retailer um, who's really interested in, in carrying it more nationally. But my point is, it's this like crescendo that's been building for the whole year, and it's not something where it's like, oh well, okay, this is the month to act and do something big yeah. and be part of this, and then on to the next thing. It's like this is this is something that's going to be part of our brand forever. This was a, a fundamental change in thinking and a, and a moment that definitely changed me. And so I want to build something, you know, like this like this partnership with with Blackwell Vendors and Currency Cake that can be part of our portfolio ongoing and more p- kind of partnerships where we can invest, um, in, the, in those next generation of founders and just help create a, a more equal playing field. You know, it's, it's, it's a long game. And that, and that's the kind of thing I think people, people know when it's real and it's authentic. I'm not saying you're not going to have, you know, trolls or naysayers, like that's always going to exist. But I think the majority of your audience will see when you're coming at it with the right intent and, and that it's authentic and that you really do want to, um, you're willing, you're willing to uh, kind of stick by um, uh, the plan for change and, and and really put action behind it in the long term. And I think ultimately that will be, you know, rewarded and celebrated and um, and and you know something that's a, a win win proposition. That it's great for businesses to think this way and it can help create change in the world.
0: Absolutely. I, I, I love I love how you're doing this, right? Not just not just that you're doing it, but how you're doing it and, and that it's this honest, honest commitment and that you're actually creating flavors and you're creating these these pints so that people can actually put their money um, you know, <laughs> where their mouth is, right? No pun intended. But especially especially with you know, if you keep keep going with those, you know, with those special collaborations. Um it's really it's really, really neat. Um and and, and I love the way that you project it onto other brands that it's not just a quick post because oh now is the time to do that post, right? Um, yeah, exactly. But it's but it's a, it's, a, it's a vision, right? It's not just one action. Um, talking about t- talking about um, you know uh, activations and and and, and visions. Um, th- there's something that, that Coolhouse does that I think is is, is, is really interesting. Um, you you are actually offering um, to fully customize. Ice cream experiences for brands and events uh, that will be, in, as you say on your website, unforgettable. Right, so you create custom flavors for them, and you you have branded edible wrappers, you know, like around around the actual ice cream. Um, so you you really become a part. Your brand becomes a part of other brands' campaigns how did that how did that come about and 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 the next question will be what was your favorite activation because i saw some of yours uh, floating around online and they're all pretty interesting and cool
1: yeah you know that's one of the things where i feel like the market kind of spoke to us it was not something that we were planning to build into our brand and our vision um it was something where you know we had the catering side of the company and we were doing a lot of you know ice cream socials and going to you know, kind of corporate events to, to be part of the dessert experience. And then we started to have brands say, you know, can we, and we and now there was always an element of customization. Sometimes we'd make custom flavors and some, and always the edible wrapper that the sandwiches come and we can print on with edible ink. So we would have, you know, a nice little message for the employees of that company um, on there. Or at weddings, we would have, you know, the monogram um, of the, the folks getting married. So there, that was always kind of in there. But then we had brands, I think, kind of reach out and really want to kind of go deeper into the customization of what was possible and and kind of uh, tell their story with with the canvas of our ice cream and our trucks and our um, and and kind of our um, our, our uniqueness and um, we started doing a couple of those I would say like a year in and I just was so intrigued by you know the capabilities there and how we could really I think, dominate this niche and really, um, you know, make this kind of a bread and butter of what we do. So once we sort of had the kind of lay of the land, the format on, on what we can offer and what's possible to brand and how we can, and how we can partner with those, these brands who want to do this, but also seeing the win-win in it, because a lot of the brands that come to us to do something unique are massive. For example, we did something with French's Mustard, which is owned by McCormick's. We made a mustard ice cream and we gave it out all around New York um, in a <laughs> branded truck. And yes, mustard ice cream sounds disgusting, but I I guarantee you, you will be like I, I was floored when I would taste it. That like it <laughs> actually tastes good. Your brain does not know what to do with it, but you want to go back. Second <laughs> third bite bite is one of the most strange and awesome ice cream experiences I've had in my whole career as an ice cream lady. But you know they're massive, so they they are coming to us with one a big budget to you know agencies, some of the biggest PR and marketing agencies in the world that can help you know pitch this unique collaboration to celebrities, to media outlets, um, and, uh, and and the desire to seem relevant and cool again. And what we bring to the table is the totally unique format to give it out, that authentic brand recognition where people are like, oh Kulas is doing something cool. I, I do want to try their spin on like mustard ice cream. That makes sense, you yeah. know, because we're weird and we're strange. And then speed, you know, we can make this ice cream, uh, this custom ice cream really fast, get it in like a branded package and be ready to go much, much more quickly than a company like theirs. And just literally having the outlets like the trucks and the shop and now the delivery apps to do this with. um, And our online store, you know, we just, we, we have a fun way to reach the customers. So Um, The value proposition is there. And then since, you know, those early days, now this is something we still get a lot of inquiries, but we also pitch it to brands and we see a brand that we think could really benefit from that win-win or that we really want to partner with. um, We go out and we seek those kind of collaborative campaigns and they just continue to be a really successful um, element of the company for us.
0: So this is interesting because you mentioned well, and now there are delivery apps. Uh, so obviously, with events being key key to your brand, um, h- how did how did you keep your audience engaged during the pandemic? Like like what shifted? And those and those branded engagements um, are they literally now being shipped to to, to customers as a, as a surprises or opt-ins? Or how how did that how did that landscape yeah. change?
1: we still managed to pull off some great brand activations in 2020. For example, we worked with Ritz crackers to make a crackers and cream ice cream <laughs> and uh, it was delicious. And we did have that on our online store, our delivery apps. Um, so we found kind of a different channel that we weren't really activating through to get that out into the world. So that's, I would think was really um, exciting. And um, uh, like, it was like, Oh, even when the world comes back, we still now have something more that we can offer that we've vetted because you know, we were surviving. Um, and uh, then the other thing that we just did a lot of is use our trucks more as almost like logistical kind of delivery vehicles. So we would, for example, we had a company that wanted to treat all of their employees in LA to little like ice cream care packages. And there's 300 um, you know, separate addresses. So the truck basically went around, well, we, have, we have four trucks here in LA. So the trucks went around you know, all day and just dropped off these care packages. And we've never done an event or an activation like that, where, you know, the trucks are doing all these individual stops. And what would normally happen is they would have all 300 people, you know, come to come to the truck and, yeah. you know, order their ice cream. It'd be this whole big, you know, crowd. And obviously that's not happening in COVID. So another thing is these like little delivery drop-offs that I think were really interesting. So it's like finding the different ways to utilize what you have for something really powerful. And I think, yeah, that's now something we're actively pitching. Um, we found like, we do a lot of like uh, limited time only flavors with like the studios when they um, have a new show come out mm-hmm. or there's Emmy campaigns or, you know, Oscar campaigns around the shows. And those are perfect for delivery apps. We'll offer like a unique flavor for let's say like an Amazon show and uh, people can order it on the delivery apps till it sells out and these sell out in like two, three minutes, you know, <laughs> and they're just like a really fun turnkey thing to offer and Yeah, that's definitely a a format that's here to stay
0: that is so awesome and you know i mean i see that with so many brands that survived the pandemic and i mean sadly not 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 all of them have right um and especially like smaller smaller brands which which used to be at some point right not anymore but the ones that actually make it out there 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 were so many um learnings throughout the pandemic uh, just to just to survive and just to innovate and just to suddenly go digital and do things you've never done before and all of these things are here to stay on top of everything going back to quote unquote normal right so all of these brands are so much stronger now after the pandemic than they were before which is uh i mean it came at a huge toll right but but it's uh it's 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 really positive to hear those stories as well right um i, I think yeah. it's, i think it's nice to hear that so as we're slowly coming a closer closer towards the end here the big question of questions on my podcast what does branding mean to you
1: <laughs> such a great question i i see the branding really as um Telling the story and communicating the vision behind what makes a brand special. You know, I think there's no one definition. I'm sure you've heard a lot of interesting ones, but people, um, and it can mean different things for different brands, but that is the core thing that I see behind, you know, why, why you invest in in really creating that branding and what it can really, you know, um, what the reward is in doing that and, and how you can really, um, uh, just connect Connect with your audience is, is the the brand communicates something behind it. And it may be, you know, there may be some literal elements and maybe some, some more abstract elements, but it gives people like a special message and a special feeling um, about what you're doing.
0: And since you had such a succinct answer to that, um, let's let's try the same thing on your own brand. So if you think about your, if you think about, you know, branding in 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 a nutshell if if you're if you are if you're running a brand that has a very clear um purpose right um then it's it's pretty it's pretty important to actually be able to say this in a very, very simple way. So, for instance, Everlane, right? Like Everlane is all about yes. transparency, radical transparency, right? Sappos is all about customer service. They call it wow, right? Like we're about wow, you know? Um, what is what is one word, if you could just kind of like put, put your entire Coolhaus brand through a filter, right? Like what is that one word or two words, right, that could describe the brand overall, I know. No one said this would be easy.
1: (laughs) Well, I always have a hard time with the one. I'm like, I think of three. Okay. Okay.
0: (laughs) We'll let it pass.
1: Yeah. I think like visionary, I was going to say like kind of uniqueness, but one of those, like the visionary, which is like thinking so much bigger outside of what even ice cream is. Mm -hmm. I think that's ultimately um major and then like the way we do it is so unique so the uniqueness is so huge but i guess if i if i um am gonna play by the rules when we pick one i would say visionary
0: yeah yeah which includes the unique aspect uh, in, in a way right yeah totally totally that's great that's great i love it um I know. I know you talked a lot about branding over the last forty minutes or so. Um, is there is there any any piece of brand advice uh, that that you might not have mentioned and that that kind of like came up while we talked that you feel would you would you would want to share with uh, with the founders in the audience as a as a takeaway of you know when it comes to them thinking about their brand and, and establishing their brand?
1: I would say the last um, uh, like as much kind of outside perspective as you can bring to the brand you're creating, I think it really does serve you. Cause for me coming from architecture, not from food in no traditional sense. Um, and, and so not kind of being limited by what's supposed to be done, what should be done, how it looks, really allows you to create something that is just super different. And it's, it's people have a hard time being different and owning that. So like, like uh, however you can, kind of master that and get outside um, what the standard is, um, the better you'll be because no one is looking to like create something like no one's going to get that excited by just like making a different version of something that already exists. Like we don't need any more of that. So owning your, owning your uniqueness in that way, spending the time to really evaluate what that is, what your kind of superpower is and how you can do that and making every step you can take to celebrate it. Um, I think is, is so, so important. And then I would also say like, think really big with the brand. Think about if you are working on your brand and like what it could be, you know, in 10 years and what that might look like and, and go through that whole visioning exercise and then kind of work backwards to start with something that has the ability to then be that for you. Um, if you can get to that point in your journey.
0: So much good advice. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, I I mean I you know, I, I actually do a memorial speech with my clients, right? Where we say, okay, like ten, fifteen years from now or twenty, thirty years from now, your brand goes kaput, right? Like you know, like how do people talk about it when you're gone, right? Like what is suddenly what 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 is left if you can't get a cool house, right? Like in your at the Whole Foods. Like what what do they feel? Like what is that what are they missing? And I think I think that exercise is so good. It's very esoteric, but in the end, it's really about what's your vision? How big can the brand be? What what kind of like lasting impact can you potentially um leave us with? So um, totally totally agreed what's next for the cool house brand uh, what What are you excited about in the next six months that uh, that is not too proprietary that you can share with yeah. us? yeah
1: well we just launched our cones actually at all Whole Foods they're so delicious they're um, uh, dairy cones street um, cart churro dough cookies and cream and strawberry they're fantastic they're already like like flying off the shelf and, and folks are really loving them there's nothing like it there's no premium ice cream cone like you know, there's like drumstick is like not premium at all. Um, <laughs> these are super premium and amazing and unique flavors. And then we're launching dairy free um, later in the summer as well. In um, also strawberry and cookies and cream, but um, just like a, a really classic cookie dough and they're phenomenal. I'm super excited about that. And then I'm also working on some dairy and gluten free options, um, you know, as we speak. So a lot of exciting uh, development there and then stay tuned for some really cool brand activations as well throughout the summer.
0: That is awesome. So um, I, I get the hint that people should start following you. Um, where, where, can they, where can they follow Coolhouse?
1: So our website is cool.house, no.com, just .house. That's c o o l h a u um, s. lh Obviously, lots of information on us there. Get ready to get really hungry if you go on the website. And then our <laughs> Instagram handle or any of our social media handles, Twitter, Facebook is at cool House, Coolhaus, C-O-O-L-H-A-U-S.
0: Fantastic. Natasha, it was, it was such a great pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you so much for your time and for the insights.
1: Thank you for the great conversation and questions. And I had a fun time being here.
0: Natasha Case and how bringing ice cream sandwiches to your colleagues at work can turn into your actual work and eventually into a remarkable brand. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I have the conversation. And if so, please subscribe and do rate the show. If you feel hitting the mark is unique in what it delivers, please do share it and help spread the word to entrepreneurs and brand builders who may benefit from these insightful conversations with some of the most intriguing brands and the charismatic founders behind them. If you want to reach out to me for any feedback, suggestions, or just to say hi, shoot me an email at info at that's info at f-i-n-i-e-n or just connect with me via LinkedIn. Hitting the Mark is produced by my consultancy Finian where we create clarity for brand transformations. This episode was edited by Everett Barton, and the Hitting the Mark theme music was written and produced by Happiness One. I will see you next time when we once again will be hitting the mark.